Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network, and I'm your host, Travis Tyler, and joining me today is Jaron Street, Matthew Jacobs, Chris Shumate, and Jacob Gwynn. Welcome back, guys. It's good to be back. And it's, it is October here in the mountains, which is a prime time to be here, and we're going to do a quick series in uh, October here, things that either scare us or may scare us. That's going to be our series here for the next three weeks, and we're going to start out with Halloween because this has been somewhat of a controversial issue in the churches here in Appalachia and I think across the U.S. And it's a question of, can we as believers engage in this holiday or how should we think about this? So uh, brothers, what what are your thoughts on Halloween and how we should think about this holiday? It's Satan's holiday. Easy fella. So, (laughs) So Satan's plot is not the destruction of his image bearers, but it is to get candy on October 31st. That's what I've learned since moving to Appalachia. Is it? I'd never heard of that till I moved here. <laughs> that is his, that is his overarching plan. As many is- Snickers bar and Kit Kats and Tootsie Rolls, which I, I was always bummed when I got Tootsie Rolls as a kid. I was like, you guys are cheap, right? <laughs> Get this candy out. Uh, so we yeah. would, what's that? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, I think there's always a, somewhat negative perception from the church about Halloween. And, 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 I, and I get a lot of that with the pagan practice, but it's a, it is a prime opportunity. Um, and, and I think to, to neglect it is, is foolish to some degree. There are generally three schools of thought on Halloween, right? Yes. So we got three choices for it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw each one out, and I'll have one of you brothers kind of share with us your, your thoughts or pretend like you hold this view for just a minute. All right, one of one of the views is just to flat out reject Halloween. Just mm. completely reject the holiday. Don't participate with it. Turn out your light on October 31st. It's of the devil. We can't do anything with it, right? Uh what what are some reasonings behind this? It's just dark. You look at people and they're dressing around and they're walking around in ghosts and demons and Satan outfits. And we're not supposed to do anything with darkness. We're supposed to be the light. So we just, we're going to reject this. This is, this is all evil. Yeah, so I, I can understand from a historical standpoint, right, when we look at um, just the pagan practices that were connected in and even how the church, um, you know, when we think back and looking back to All Hallows' Eve and, and looking at, remembering saints and and the dead and things like so i can understand from a biblical christian perspective completely rejecting it and just not even not even turning an eye towards it at all do any of you drive volkswagens no volkswagen drivers for those of you that uh, are driving and listening to this podcast in a volkswagen uh just so you know Volkswagen has a very dark history, right? Called Voltenwagen, Zikazi people, right? Adolf Hitler designed the Volkswagen to be a car that every German could own and drive. 
So is it wrong to have a car that a man who is responsible for orchestrating the deaths of millions of innocent people, is that okay? Right? I think if we're going to live by the principle of, uh, well, it's got dark roots, then we can't have it now. We're all going to have to stop buying Volkswagens in the United States. At least Christians can't drive them, right? That's the same kind of logic there. So, uh, that yeah, and I think, you know, you've got the dark root side of that argument, but then you've also got the present day side of that argument in seeing, you know, how in our culture, Halloween just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, it seems, each year. And not only does it continue to become celebrated by more and more people, but there's also a sense where you can see, uh, to use the word that's already been used, a pervading darkness or continued growth in some ways into celebrating uh, these things that are unholy. And so one of the arguments you hear is, you know, we're called to be holy as God is holy. We're called to pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And uh, so they, the line is drawn that in order for me to be holy, I cannot be in any way involved with what's taking place here. And I, I think that's probably more of the commonplace argument that happens today, uh, especially in areas like ours here in the Appalachia uh, region rather than an argument that takes place in uh, more of the theological circles, I guess, at, that takes it back to its roots. Can, can uh, I push, Darren, can I push back on that just for a second? You talked about just that swing into darkness, right? And, and people might disagree with me on this, but, uh, you know, you, you kind of do just an informal poll of people, and a lot of people will say they are spiritual but not religious right and oftentimes when you start asking questions about spirituality uh that they will tie um some of the occultic pagan practices to spirituality and so i I, i'll be honest i think some people um in some ways i think look at this and look at the idea of kind of the occultic or pagan practices as somewhat spiritual not just darkness but but spiritual yeah, I agree. There is that. Now, for the sake of time here, we need to move on to the second view in response to Halloween is rejecting. Uh, we see, we've seen uh, rejecting. Now we're talking about just receiving the holiday. I think our culture has continued to uh, move into a culture of celebration, sometimes celebrating events that uh, maybe a generation or two ago they might find strange. I was just listening to Al Mohler on the briefing talking about gender reveal parties and how you know, one person's gender reveal burnt down a forest and killed one person because it got out of hand. And so is, is receiving Halloween getting out of hand for Christians? Can we do that? Uh, Colossians 2.16 says, therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So can't we just receive this holiday as it is and not really uh, you know, twerk, you know, do any kind of tweaks or anything like that? I think in order to really answer that, you've got to make sure you're speaking the same language because I think it's already been alluded to. Some people mean very different things when they say Halloween. You know, sometimes it's just a, just a day to go get candy and have fun dressing up and there's literally nothing else to it. For others, there is a lot more to it. So to even ask that question, you've got to do some some background work to, to make sure you and the other person are 
actually referring to the same thing before you can get very far down that road. And then finally, a third possibility in response to Halloween for Christians would be redeeming Halloween. And in a redeeming Halloween, we, we are going to take a little bit different approach than just receiving Halloween. What might be the difference between redeeming Halloween and just receiving Halloween from the culture? So I think when you look at the definition idea of receiving it, you just kind of go along with it. So, you know, if your child wants to dress up in a screen costume from back in the 90s, you know, perfectly fine for him to dress up in a screen costume with the blood coming all over its face. And we're just going to go on with it. We're going to have fun, go trick-or-treating, get as much candy as we can, and go on with it like nothing is ever wrong with it. I think when you look at the picture of redeeming, did you see Halloween as a great opportunity that you look culturally is getting bigger and bigger? I mean, I, I think that is more people decorate for Halloween now than they did when I was growing up. There's way more stuff you can purchase at Walmart to decorate with and yard stuff and blow up inflatable things, which is awesome to me because it's my favorite holiday of the year. And then, but when we look at the idea of redeeming it, it's saying, okay, what is the good of Halloween? Is it bad for us to trick or treat? No. Is it bad for us to do some type of event at the church for Halloween? No. But let's reject the demonic or the dark stuff of Halloween and redeem it and say, for a prime example, I think we shared this article um, in the links, hopefully. It's uh, from Southeastern. And Dr. Robinson had this article he wrote a few years ago, talked about how why every good Christian should celebrate Halloween. And the premise of it was the first year that he lived in Wake Forest, he lived on historic Maine, and it had the most, um, as soon as he bought it, like back in June, he was told to buy candy. And he didn't know what this person was talking about. And as they got closer, they budgeted, they got candy. He said within like 30 minutes to an hour, they were out of all their candy for Halloween. And he sat there and looked out his window when he had his light cut off and saw hundreds upon hundreds of children and parents walking past his door. And he thought to himself, this is the one day of year that the lost are coming knocking on my door and not me having to go to them. And so we look at it as an opportunity, I think church-wise and individual-wise, as this is a chance for us to take something that culture has embraced largely and that people are going through doors and people are going to churches for festivals or like here in Newland, they do a big trunk retreat in downtown Newland on Halloween. Churches go be a part of that. Be there, be present, and take this opportunity to witness and minister to people. When they're out there looking for something, what better thing to give them instead of a great Reese's cup? Let's give them the gospel. How do we do that? How do we redeem Halloween in a way that is going to be honoring to the Great Commission where we're seeking to go and make disciples wherever we've been placed? Uh, how, how are we going to do that as a church? And then how are we going to do that as individual families? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the key point, right? I mean, I think we've kind of alluded to, I think Matthew hit on this. This is the one time of the year that people will come to our doors, right? And so it, it's a natural opportunity. One of the things I think um, that I, I know that I've been trying to do at our church is talk about rhythms, right? And so there are these natural rhythms in life and using those rhythms as, as gospel opportunities. So, for instance, at Halloween, uh, our church does a, a trunk or treat. We're going to do one this year. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, one of the things we're, we're doing to incorporate that idea of a rhythm is all year we've focused on one. 
and who's your one and reaching your one. And so we're, we're encouraging members of the church to, instead of doing a mass invitation with the whole community with, because of COVID, but instead inviting their, their one and bringing their one there so that we can have time to intentionally have some conversations about the gospel. And the same time, we always do our trunk or treat on a different day than Halloween. And so we have a few members that have their, their homes are in unique places where they get hit up with thousands of kids. And so one of the things that we always try to do, and obviously with these, these members permission is, uh, is we talk about the idea of let's go to their home. Uh, the church will purchase tracks. We'll, we'll bring other things, uh, popcorn maker or whatever. And, and as, as kids are, are trick or treating is having other people there, to talk with parents, you know, point them to the church, point them to the hope of the, of the gospel. So I, I think you can make it intentional. It's just, you have to go the extra step to be intentional. in it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that really we're talking about two things here. One, how do we collectively as a church redeem the holiday? And then two, how do we at a more individual level redeem the holiday? Uh, here at Grace, we're planning a trunk or treat, but we're going to talk about this in just a minute. It'll be different this year than past ones, but then we also wanted to free up time for our church members to be home. I happen to live in a street that is a Halloween street, like your uh, uh, friend there. I can't remember who they were talking about, one of the professors from Southeastern, and we have hundreds of trick-or-treaters every year that come down my street. It's like the 80s. You ever seen those 80s movies where there's just kids everywhere? And, uh, you know, how does it reflect if we just turn our light off and we don't even tell people where we went? What's that? Are you there? I said instead for those members who maybe don't remember the eighties, maybe the or the ones listening who don't remember the eighties, maybe the ones who have watched Stranger Things, right? Oh yeah, or if you've seen the recent shows, great. Sorry, and, and Stranger or, Things, or, or never. I'm I mean, just not, trying to keep on topic here. Not that we watch that, but I mean others that, that one of my friends watches it, right? So anyway. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we, we try to do that. And there's some things that we do that I've tried to do at our trunk or treat. Like um, I always try to set up a prayer wall or a way to take prayer requests because it's a great way to bridge over into a gospel conversation. And also you want to be praying for those people. That took So we built a couple of different prayer walls. First one we built, we made out of pallet wood, and it weighed like, 3,000 pounds. And so it was really hard to move. Then we made one that had like ropes and things like that that was much better. And then we also did that at my home, and I invited a couple of church members to come over. We just sat out in the yard and had a lot of big decorations and just handed out, you know, and we tried to hand out good candy, right? Not Tootsie Rolls or none of that stuff, like real chocolate, good stuff. And then we also tried to hand out some tracks as well. Uh, But one thing that every pastor has to ask on these big collective Halloween events is, what kind of result or impact are we really having? And I know, Chris, you had shared with me, you all did like a five-year study in the church you were in on the impact of this, right? Can you talk to us about that? Hey, before we go into that, can I just ask you really quickly? So when we talked about redeeming, so far, everything has been about how we redeem in our trunk or treats or staying at home uh, to be able to share the gospel and have conversations and a witness to those who are going around. What about your perspective on redeeming this holiday for parents with young children who are wanting to go out and to participate uh, with the, the trick-or-treating? Any thoughts on that before we move to Chris's study? Uh, maybe I, 
Go ahead, Travis. I was just going to say, I, I don't know if I made myself clear, but that's why we do the same thing Calvary does, and we don't have the collective trunk or treat on the same day as Halloween. And so then there can be a participation in that, and then we can use whatever candy's left over, and we have cancellation dates that we can have it at home. So the redemption to the max is there's two points that you can have contact with the community, and there's two points here where people can either participate in reaching out with the gospel either at the church collectively, or they can do it at their home, or they can, you know, they got two options. They can go for one, you know, do one with their kids and then, you know, serve in the other and then vice versa. So that's how we handle it. But anyhow. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, I do think there's a way that you can encourage individual families, even if they don't live at a place where they're going to be receiving trick-or-treaters as they go out, you know, give them some stuff that they can use to reverse trick-or-treat, you know, to give to the to people at their own homes or whatever it is. And and I think that's just another way of, of trying to take advantage of those interactions you're already going to be having that night. Uh, but in terms of the, the larger events, you know, I, I think it is important to just try to get straight in your own mind. What are we really hoping to accomplish here? And then how can we assess whether or not we're doing that? Now, if the, the only goal is to, uh, to just kind of be a visible presence in the community or to just make some initial contact with people, uh, that's great. And, and you can very easily do that. But if you're looking to this event to be more of, of a missional effort in terms of really communicating something important about the gospel or your church or making uh, contacts that will turn into, you know, lasting relationships with these people, you've got to be quite a bit more intentional there because I think my experience is probably similar to a lot of people's that you might get, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, but how many of those will actually turn into any sort of lasting relationship or, or uh, you know, introduction into the life of the church? And, and if that's not what you're after, then that's, that's fine. But, but if that is what you're after, is there a more efficient way to do that? Is there a, a way that you could better steward the resources of your church and the time of your people in doing something different? Uh, that might be a little more effective. So I do. I just think that's important to remember because a lot of planning and a lot of energy and, and money and everything else goes into these events. So um, it's up to each church and each you know leadership team to figure out what what are we doing this for, and how are we going to make sure we're actually doing what we're trying to do. And and building that bridge and and intentionality you know, you're, you're, it's going to be hard just hand a piece of candy or whatever quickly. Um, that's why I think one of the critical things for being more intentional is having a connection with a prayer need and then trying to follow back up on prayer needs. Uh, and it's, you know, I think prayer and evangelism are, are two thing, two, two items in my mind that just hold hands right in our culture because they go hand in hand. And, uh, and I also think that intentionality and, um, you know, uh, follow up, we do giveaways and then checking in with them, but it's like all good things. You have to be more intentional and get after it. Now let's, uh, let's talk about this. What is the benefit for these events for volunteers in your church? 
let's be honest, short-term mission trips, when we go to Haiti or we go to New York or we go to St. Louis, we're not going to get Haiti saved in a week. We're probably not going to make much of an impact, really. Maybe some of an impact, but not much of an impact. There are missionaries who devote their lives in these areas. You know, is the benefit of a, a short-term mission trip really to make a huge impact in the area you go? And I would argue, no, it's not. I don't think you can. But the impact it makes on the people who go, and when they come back after a week of focusing on doing something for the Lord is tremendous. And I would even argue that in these events, that the impact on the volunteers in, in trying to serve and trying to do a simple thing, you know, a lot of them are scared about doing different levels of evangelism, but, you know, handing a kid a piece of candy and saying, you know, uh, happy Reformation Day or whatever it is you say at your church, because it is Reformation Day, uh, is simple and may make it, or how can I pray for you? Those are simple things that can be done. So I think there's a value to that personally. Uh, all right, let's shift gears here now. We've got about six or seven minutes left on this topic. I want to talk about COVID-19 and Halloween for just a minute. I know, right? I know everybody's sick of talking about COVID-19. We actually have two more episodes. We're not going to try to talk about COVID-19 at all. So stay with us here in the month of October as we work through this. But I think California tried to cancel trick-or-treating completely, and um, some states may follow suit can we have trunk or treats like we have in the past? Cause you know, you're going to have people, at least when we've had them here, it's chaos. People are on top of people. They're not giving each other space. Uh, you know, it is, it is a, I guess a CDC COVID-19 nightmare whenever we have it on, on our campus. Cause there's a level of chaos. Uh, are there any other alternatives that we can do for an event like this? If we're planning to do this, or we're planning to redeem the holiday as we celebrate it collectively uh, in reaching out to our community. Yeah, so, you know, talking about that idea of intentionality, we, we've done a trunk or treat the last few years that I've been pastor at uh, at, the, at Calvary, where I serve at. And um, so this year, even as we've talked about it, we're, we're looking at doing something a little, more, little bit more sc- smaller scale and um, obviously doing things where each trunk is, is spaced out quite a bit. We uh, have the luxury of, of being able to use the, um, uh, the middle school's uh, track right across the street from us, so they allow us to use it. And so we're going to be able to space out quite a bit, and we've got several checks and balances in place doing that. But what we're going to do that I think because of COVID-19, but I think is helpful, is instead of doing kind of mass um, marketing or, or, or publicizing you know, our trunk or treat, what we're going to do, and I think I alluded to this a minute ago, is that each family in the church, each member of the church, we're just going to do a personal invitation uh, for your one or, or another family uh, to the trunk or treat. So it's going to be small scale, but we're trying to make it intentional by um, by inviting specific people that we already have contacts with in the community or we have contacts with within our church. And so it gives us a lot of luxury. Invitation. You're not giving any kind of public invitation for the event this year? Yeah. We're not doing any kind of public invitation, but we still are trying to make it intentional by doing private invitation. Um, and, and so that's the way of keeping it small scale, but also intentional. And then what we're doing is we're just having pre-made baggies of candy and things like that instead of handing out individually and, uh, and keeping things spaced out. So uh, that, that's about the best I feel you can try to do um, in the midst of, of everything that's going on. plan right now is to do a a drive-through 
trunk or treat. So we are going to, uh, you know, publicize it, invite the community. Uh, but we're actually going to a community park here uh, in town that is a, uh, you know, the one of the central locations where families will come to and and go from there to do their their trick-or-treating and so uh in this park there's a, a wonderful uh entrance that flows right on through the park and then right out on an exit and so uh we are with county's approval gonna set up on the back row there of that parking lot uh just in a line we'll have our bag the bags made up um our volunteers of course be uh trying to be as safe as possible but that way None of the families or the kids are going to have to get out of the vehicle and have any contact there, uh, but hopefully they'll be able to drive by, windows rolled down, and we'll have an opportunity to uh, just speak quickly with them, have a gospel tract in each of those bags that we're going to then give in to the car for them to take as part of their trunk or treat, uh, but hopefully do that in a, uh, you know, a safe way. I Like you, Travis, I know a lot of people, including myself, are we are, are tired here from, from COVID-19 and ready to have it behind us, but that's just our plans for trying to uh, trying to be respectful and also uh, to be safe and hopefully include as many as we can uh, with an opportunity to just share with them. We're doing something along the same lines as you, Jaron. We have a nice parking lot where we can spread out, but we're doing a couple things differently. Uh, we've decided we don't need to be passing things back and forth. So registration is going to be different. We're doing everything online, digital registration. We were able to get a Google number and we have people texting in their favorite trunks with the Google number. And also they can text in their prayer request, which is going to have it all nice and neat for us and save there if you're familiar with Google numbers and all that. So there are ways to get information from them. And, and then what's nice about that is we can text them back and communicate back with them and have some intentionality there with follow-up on those prayer requests. So uh, it's a good way to to kind of bridge that gap. And then we will be uh, doing the drive-through trunk or tree. We got about 14 trunks or so that they can drive through. And then one other piece of technology that we didn't have last year that we're using this year, and it's in kind of an old school piece of technology is an FM transmitter. And we've had to use that for our, you know, broadcasting in the parking lot. And we're gonna broadcast a pre-recorded message where children are inviting other kids to church or sharing testimonies or sharing the gospel. And so we're gonna encourage them to tune into the radio station there locally on our campus to do that. So it's all exciting, good things. Uh, we're looking forward to it. All right, I think we're about out of time for this episode. Any closing thoughts on Halloween, trunk or treat, or how we should celebrate these uh, things and use them as gospel opportunities? I think it's just a matter of making the most of the time we've got, you know, and just being strategic. And uh, and will we get it right every single time? No, probably not. <laughs> we'll probably fail in one direction or the other. But I think it's worth uh, it's worth thinking through these things and worth. Uh, taking some risks in order to try to, to do what God's called us to do. I agree. And uh, I think that we should also have a measure of grace for anyone who does not hold our same view on this particular issue, because this is not a first-year doctrine. I know some pastors want to make this into a first-year doctrine, but we should have grace and uh, benevolence towards them in all things. Thank you for joining us, and uh, look forward to tuning in next time. We're going to be talking about new religious movements, and so we hope you'll be able to join us next week. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Appalachian 
baptistnetwork at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.